from KQED. Hey everyone, I'm Emmanuel. I'm Kali. And I'm Jamidra. And we're the hosts of The Cooler, your weekly dose of pop culture commentary. This week we're talking about why we think the ratings of The Walking Dead are down, like very down. Oh, dead. So down that they're dead. Wow. More of these gems coming up. (laughs) We also try to make sense of why all of our faves are revealing themselves to be problematic. It's a tale as old as time. (laughs) Tale as old as time. True as it can be. Celine. Come on, Celine. (laughs) I'm going to share some full house news with you guys. Oh, how interesting. Don't watch it. (laughs) (laughs) So that's all coming up this episode. Okay, I'm ready to hear. So we'll start with why Carly Severn thinks that The Walking Dead isn't doing so well these days. Is it because Uh, I've never watched? Is that why it's doing so well? Oh, have you never? I was going to open up by asking, have either of you watched it? Never watched it. I watched the first season. Ooh, what did you think? And I liked it. It's it was great. entertaining. I first season of The Walking Dead is so watchable. I think the rest of The Walking Dead and all subsequent seasons are not shining examples of And so I was not surprised to learn when I read uh, in the papers this week that the ratings for The Walking Dead are down. They have, quote unquote, slumped. Ooh. Mm. Yes. It could just be that it's not very good anymore. I think a lot of people have abandoned it because it's got really manipulative. And the violence, while it's always been there, to me, it's like purposeless and it's almost kind of pornographic. Mm -hmm. And I don't like that. And I think a lot of people don't like it too. like a Tarantino level of... of, uh, Not even that clever. Not even. I would take Tarantino levels. I would. (laughs) But it is just, yeah, it is mindless, which is ironic because it's about zombies, right? However, (laughs) this did give rise to a pet theory. I, over the last several years, have been staggered by how much we, as pop culture consumers, absolutely love watching things about the end of the world. It's everywhere. Yeah. It's everywhere. Even comedic films starring Rihanna? Yes. And Emma Watson? Yes. Oh, yeah. You've got your Hunger Gameses, you've got your Mad Maxes, you've got your Walking Dead, you've got your World War Z, you've got The Road, you've got I Am Legend, all of these kind of movies. Independence Day. <laughs> They're just <laughs> so obsessed with what the end of the world will look like. But it's, it's always mm. about what the aftermath will look like. It's like a plucky band of survivors get together and do stuff. And... I just think it's really interesting that if you were like an alien who landed during the last like eight years or something and who went to the movie theater or who switched on a television, you would think, wow, these folks are really obsessed with their world being destroyed. Hmm. Ask and ye shall receive. Indeed. (laughs) (laughs) However, a lot of things about the recent political developments in the US, Hmm. uh, I think, have some people thinking about things that they haven't thought about in years or haven't had to think about in years or haven't been frightened of in years, such mm. as Carly's war testifying in between here. the nations, mm-hmm. nuclear war, mm-hmm. climate change-induced global mm-hmm. devastation. <sighs> These are things yeah. that we've really had the luxury of not being too preoccupied with for the last, I don't know, I'll just pick a number, eight years, mm-hmm. maybe? Huh. Mm-hmm. And I Seems do think right. that 
our massive appetite for these kind of like dystopian worlds is going to go away this year. No one's going to watch this stuff anymore. People will abandon shows like The Walking Dead in droves because it's all a little bit too real, if you know what I'm saying. I wonder I, what the next like wave is then. Well, because right? we went through, we've been through our reality TV wave already. This is the thing. So the way we've been imagining our destructions, like in the movies and TV, so like energy shortages and biological warfare, that's going to get a lot less fun to watch. Yeah, and we won't want to watch them. Number two. I think aliens are going to make a comeback. There'll probably be a lot more movies about like relocating to other yeah. planets, oh, right? Yeah, off-world colonies. Yeah. I really do predict the rise of that. Like, it's going to be like an escapist fantasy. You're like, huh. oh, I'd love to go and live on Mars, like in Total Recall. So space. Yeah. So we're going to get back into like a Star gonna, Trek vibe, space, where it's all about futuristic. Exactly. Type. Hmm. We're going to just imagine ourselves in new worlds. Also, controversial prediction. Hmm? I really think this is going to affect. The popularity of Game of Thrones. <gasps> you think Game of Thrones popular? But we're I in do. the last season, though. I do, I do. Because if you strip away like the fantasy setting and the funny names from Game of Thrones, you've basically got a post-apocalyptic fantasy. I don't think we're going to want to watch too much of that anymore. Well, listen, I'm going to have to stop you right there. I've committed to it all this time, so uh-huh. I've got to see it through. I've, but, well, um, I think a lot of people are going to want to focus more on the dragon stuff mm-hmm. and less on the kind of... <laughs> Daenerys girl, Yeah, save us. The bitter She's the coldness. Diva. Yeah, Khaleesi. Okay, Khaleesi. yes. Yeah. More of that. Yeah, three strong predictions for 2017 coming in hot, guys. Wow. I think so. You're saying that the man in the high castle is not going to do well. Oh, no, uh, I do not okay. think so. I literally got a subscription just to watch this show because I heard it was that good. Oh, wow. And so for those who don't know, this is like an imagining of if the Nazis had won World War uh-huh. II and if America had become a German-occupied mm-hmm. territory. It yep. is pretty brutal. Yeah. <laughs> so I watched like the first four episodes and I was like, this is heavy. And I was like... <laughs> I need something lighter. Without a doubt, I could not start watching it now. Like, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I, I will never go back and watch it again. I actually did watch all of Man in the High Castle. Oh, do tell. And back in that faraway time known as oh. early 2016, I was like, oh, my God, how interesting. Like, what if fascism mm. took over the entire <laughs> world and won? That would be so Can weird. And like, oh, my God, there's like... The, the Japanese control the West Coast and, mm-hmm. and the Germans occupy most of the rest of the U.S. And, like, people still have to hide who they are and Jews are, like, dead. And there was, like, a free zone, right, in the middle somewhere, like, mm-hmm. this yeah. area. And now that season two is coming out, I'm like, mm. like is, oh, is there a season two coming out? Yes. Yeah, it's oh. called America. <laughs> this is not to say that people only consume, like, escapist fantasies, right? I'm not saying this is going to happen because we only want to watch fun, fluffy stuff. Because so often, like, pop culture reflects what we're thinking. I just think we're not going to want it to reflect that much of our daily yeah. lives. I can only speak for myself and how I'm dealing with the apocalyptic thing. Please do speak for yourself. I have been escaping. Specifically, I reread A Wrinkle in Time, which oh. is a children's book about a different world. These kids have to go and save their dad. But then it started being kind of like this world where it's like a black thing has taken over this planet and everyone is becoming the same. And if you're not the same, you get murdered or deported or whatever. I'm like, this was supposed to be fun because the cover has a horse with wings (laughs) on it. And that was in there, but most of the other stuff was scary. But I tried with that. Okay, so escaping. you realize that Ava DuVernay is actually making a film about A Wrinkle in Time I do. right now. Mm-hmm. And I was like excited to watch it. And now I'm like, eh. Um, <laughs> It'll be okay. It all works out. We, ha- we just got a copy of that book. And I was going to read it to Isaiah. And what you're saying is, not so much. 
he's going to have to become familiar with certain things. So I say read it to him. He G should know is, what he's getting into we, as G a four, four or five-year-old. <laughs> Start him young on this cynicism. <laughs> My husband decided to read him The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe first. So we're starting with Aww. that. Well, to go along with that, it's very Christian-y, just saying. Is it? Yeah. Well, do you guys not remember, uh, did you watch I Am Legend with Will Smith? Yes. I, that just came on cable the other night, and I was like, I it's remember always this. on cable. Yeah, I was like, hey. And the kind of, I won't say crazy, but the unexpected to me uh, overt Christian uh, moral of the story at the end, I was like, oh, 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 that's where they went. I don't even remember what happened at the end. Uh, basically, it's it, faith saves the world. It's It's very unsubtle, and it is a purely Christian vision of how the uh, end of the world is kind of rectified. Really? I don't yeah. remember. I just remember him being like, working out. <laughs> and I was like, yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sweating. That's all I remember. I'm listening to Bob Marley <laughs> with the dog. That and the dog. <laughs> You're like, this movie's great. He's having the time of his life in this Airbnb. I see a lot of myself in Will Smith because mm. we... Uh, sorry. Just, uh, <laughs> carry on. Um, not because of muscles, but because of the fact that we're both born on the same day. Okay. And God, I love you. Know that we both are gay. And too much sipping my too tea. Much allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> Just had to go there. Anyway, Emmanuel's sitting there with an IDGAF face on right Don't. now. Don't. It's the end of the world. Oh Come through, Emmanuel. Don't tweet me. It's the end of the world as we know oh, it. Oh, that's my song. But do you feel? But fine? I feel fine. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Okay, I really then do. it's fine. Exactly. Right. Then it's fine. It's, it's the end of the world. So you guys, oh gosh, something has happened to one of my faves. What? Which has inspired a segment I'm going to call Boner Shrinker. Mm. Oh. <laughs> oh, Boner Shrinker. <laughs> Boner Shrinker. Boner Shrinker. Boner Shrinker. Ooh. <laughs> so. Anyone who listens to this show knows I go hard for Kate Bush. You do. Since day one. I bring her up randomly. I encourage people to go find her music videos or her albums. Mm. She's hidden away in a castle in England somewhere collecting checks that were signed by me. Yeah, You Mm -hmm. rep the bush. Mm -hmm. Yes. You do. (laughs) You teach courses about her on this podcast. Yeah. To people who don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. About her work. So uh, it is sad to say. With a heavy heart, you... <laughs> With a very heavy heart. <laughs> and for those listeners who don't know the music of Kate Bush, that is the opening of this woman's work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Go and listen to it. I will rename that song title, This Woman is a Piece of Work. Oh, oh damn it! Snap, animal. bloop. I'm mad. I'm mad. <laughs> Are you mad? Featuring Little Wayne. So mad. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Ehapsis. I was perusing this gossip blog that I love, mm-hmm. and I see her face, and I'm like, ooh, Excited. Kate Bush news. Hey. Fun. Wonderful. Not fun. Okay. I said, 2016 claims the one million, some crazy number, victim. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what now? Is she oh, dead? God. Oh, God. She's not. But she's dead in my heart. <gasps> Oh, it's that bad. <laughs> For now. It is winter in your heart right now. Winter, it has come. Yes. Is that a Game of Thrones thing? It is. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Winter is coming. So this is about how she has come out as a fan of Theresa May, 
who, if you don't know, is Britain's new prime minister. Yes. By the way, the Carly sucked her teeth. Mm. I have the receipts. In case you don't know about this woman, she is known for her anti-immigration stance. She was behind a campaign demanding immigrants to, quote, go home or face arrest. Mm -hmm. She denounced the European Human Rights Act. She covered up abuse of female asylum seekers at a detention center and a load of other things you can look up for yourself. Not someone who I vibe with. Mm. Let me just say, I wish I was more excited about the fact that the UK has its second female prime minister. It is bittersweet not to get excited about that. Here's a woman. (laughs) But... Caveat! Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Asterix. (laughs) Read the footnote. Exactly. Click on the little number, it'll take you to the footnote. So Kate has this to say about this woman. I actually really like her, and I think she's wonderful. I think it's the best thing that's happened to us in a long time. I don't see much to fear. It's just so maddening. And then I was like, you know what? Maybe she doesn't follow politics. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe. Maybe Mm. she has no internet in her castle. She might not. So I was going to let it go. Then I read the comments of this post on this gossip blog. They say never read the comments. Someone had receipts for previous Uh, transgressions that I did not know about. Wait, Kate Bush transgressions? I thought the woman don't even come out in public. How does anybody have anything on her? Well, this this is is clearly why. (laughs) This is from the 80s. Oh, God. Dusty receipts. (laughs) (laughs) so dusty in here okay here's one the interviewer asked do you consider yourself a feminist oh you ready for this she walked right into this one is that question i really react to that word and i think probably the majority of women but i don't know would feel the same feminist is one of those words when you hear feminist you go ugh. you get all these terrible images like women with hairy legs and big muscles and i mean you just think of butch lesbians and they are terribly aggressive and quite illogical. What have we got men for? Um, wow, Jerry Halliwell, that you? Right? Wow. Jerry learned it from the best. She did. She learned it from the, the worst. mistress. And I was like, okay, well, that's just, that was 1985. Maybe like, she evolved. Could have been locker room talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's it's just the interview was conducted in an actual <laughs> locker room. Yeah. yeah. Spa talk? <laughs> Maybe it was so steamy in the locker room that that they didn't see the person Uh because of all the uh steam. And actually someone else had said this. Who knows? But then years later in 1989, someone asked her, are you a feminist? Well, you know what I said? I answered that question in 1980. Very horribly (laughs) answered that question. You can go find my horrible response. Okay. So she says in response to, are you a feminist? Yuck. God, I hate that word. It's like calling someone a sadist. I think it's really unfortunate that word has been so associated with very extreme extremist persons. Radical behavior. I think all women are rather offended by that term now. Oh, dear. 1989. There mm-hmm. you go. So I am taking back my lust for Kate Bush right now. <gasps> Take it back. Maybe I'll give it back someday because, you know, we've talked about separating the art from the artist. Mm-hmm. But right now, it's not possible. Sorry, Kate. Wish you... Had better opinions about yeah. things. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Not really. Ooh. Not oh, even. No. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Well, it's funny that you have this to confess, Emmanuel, because I myself have had a terrible instance of shrinkage <laughs> in the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. The revelation from Carrie Fisher, oh. who in her latest set of memoirs, I yes. believe, called The Princess Diarist. Yeah. Uh, Clever. Of course. It is all about what it was like at age 19 starring having sex with having Harrison, Ford. Sex with Harrison <laughs> Ford I was going to say starring in Star Wars but um, yeah so everyone always just presumed that Harrison Ford and uh, Carrie Fisher got it on during the making of Star Wars so this is not news what is news 
is the revelation that Harrison Ford is rather an unpleasant character who is not very good with his emotions. Oh, no. And did not treat 19-year-old Carrie Fisher particularly nicely. And he was how old when this was all? He was like 33 and married with and two married. kids. Hey. Yes. Less so. than honorable, sir. Less than honorable. And, of course, Hollywood would have it be like 33-year-old, married, father of two, and 19-year-old ingenue, who we're going to mm. tell is too fat. What the hell? Anyway. I mean, it's problematic for me because Harrison Ford... Harrison Ford in, like, Witness or Blade Runner. It just I mean, that's a Google image search that comes up frequently in my history. <laughs> and now... I hear that NSA. It's, <laughs> I think they got bigger fish to fry right now. And now, you know, I'm just going to clear the cash. Mm. <laughs> just because I, I, I've learned that he is not kind mm-hmm. to young women. And that ain't sexy. Jameter, do you have someone that... Oh, well, I have years of disappointment. And if... My years of disappointment have taught me anything. It is not to have faith in celebrities. So I try yeah. not to. But every once in a while, I get my hopes up. Every once in a while. And in 2016, I was really excited and had my eyes <laughs> on a young gentleman by the name of Nate Parker. Oh, oh that's a hard one. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm not going to get into it because this horse has been beaten for months now but you guys all know that he was directing a, a film that we all well I wanted to see and um, Birth I think of a Nation Birth of a Nation and like broke Sundance records and everybody was excited about him and it was great and then allegations of a rape that he was accused of committing in college came out him and his like you know classmate or wrestling mate or whatever who also co-directed or produced the Birth of the Nation mm-hmm. with him and it was just like I think for me the really disappointing part of it was one that he allegedly I have to say, raped someone. But then the other piece of it was the way that he handled it, I think. Mm. It's like remorseless. It's yeah. Like, well, I'm sorry she felt so bad that she had to kill herself, but yeah. I didn't have anything to do with it. it Stop bringing just... it up, guys. That was the tenor of Ugh. the conversation. Yeah, conversation. it was just like, it, it was just really callous to me. Yeah, he, It was all focused um, on himself as well about how the resurfacing of the allegations were making him feel. Yeah. Seemingly no interest in how the, the woman who took, as Emmanuel says, took, took her, her own life, life or how her family might feel. And from like a just a, you know, celebrity PR standpoint, I don't even know how he didn't think that he was going to have to answer these questions. Because yeah. it's not like he's new. Like he, I've watched Nate Parker for years. He was in like Great Debaters and Red Tails and all these other films. So I'm like, sir. Like, y'all didn't think this would ever come up. Like, you would, like, listen, call Oprah, sit down, explain Mm -hmm. yourself, and address it. I mean, that's how potent male privilege is. He's like, um... I got this. Yeah, I'm just gonna. No one cares about her. On through it. But then the other piece of it that was like really sort of like brought out a lot. You know, see, you know, these public conversations bring out a lot in people on social media. Mm-hmm. Were the conversations that I saw happening between men and women, and women who were like, you know, I'm not seeing the film because I'm offended by you know the way he's handling it, and men being like, well, this is the problem. It's particularly around black men. This is the problem. There are plenty of like white directors and actors who do exactly what he did, and they're not being punished. And I'm like, that's still doesn't make it right though like you know nobody wins sir no there's no winner there's no successful outcome for anybody here it's just a sad situation so that was probably like my gut punch of 2016 because i was like yes like here's a promising young like actor who was making great films about like you know and then it was like oh 2016 was like, nope. Yeah, no, not so no, much. You don't I'm get gonna, that. I'm going to take that from you. And I have not seen the film and I don't plan on seeing Another it. Another kill is, collected yeah. by 2016. Yeah. 
So suffice it to say that we are not feeling aroused right now. No, not at all. I am the opposite. Faves have let us down time and time again. And this is one of those times. Time after time. No. (laughs) You're like, stop singing. I literally raised my hand and it's still being held out. I'm going to just upturn the palm now. Can we at least play it? I want to so much. I know know you do. Can we just play it? No. 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 For this week's Peek in the Pit. Oh, continuing feature. Hell yeah. <laughs> Sticking with it. <laughs> Pit hmm. could have been Kate Bush, Nate, um, all of them. But I have something just else. the entire year of 2016. <laughs> and that it still refuses to end. Mm-hmm. And that 2016 took away us being able to feel excited about 2017 being better. Because who knows what's coming. Yeah. Anyway. There's a buffet of mobile. <laughs> <laughs> Have your fill, guys. There's enough for everyone. Unlimited refills. <laughs> the one time you don't want free stuff. No. It's like, no. No. So the pit is the full house house that is located here mm-hmm. oh. has been sold for $4 million to someone who isn't me. Oh, okay. I know you, and if I remember, you were campaigning for that four mil, right? You I was. I asked for it outright from the readers of KQD Pop. But did you start the go? See, we should have started the GoFundMe, and you should have got yeah, Jill yeah, Stein. Yeah. Jill Stein could have helped. She could have helped. She could have helped. And then she would use the money for something else. Yeah, <laughs> don't ask, don't get. Yeah. Allegedly. <laughs> Sorry, Jill. So much allegedly going on in this podcast. Today. Just going for it, but then not going for it. <laughs> so. I am not the owner of this house, but someone I know is. Jeff Franklin, which means nothing to you guys because you don't watch the show, is a creator of Full House. You know him? He bought the house. You know him? I mean, I know him from the show. Oh, he said somebody I (laughs) know. I see his name on the screen all the time. So he bought the house. He immediately painted the door from a sacrilegious seafoam mm. to the proper red tone that yes. we're used to. And he's going to recreate the set within the house and he's going to try and shoot the Netflix reboot inside the house. I mean, so that's cool. I thought they already shot the Netflix reboot. There's multiple seasons. They're rebooting the reboot. <laughs> With the kids of the kids from the kids. Who mm-hmm. asked for that, though? I did. <laughs> also... I might get my chance to live there for a short amount of time because he's going to be renting it out to fans or other people who want to live there. So I'm going to have a rave. All listeners of The Cooler will be invited. You guys can come too. Oh, thanks. Um, Yeah. It'll be great. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I claim Uncle Jesse's room because maybe he'll come back because he forgot something and he'll stay a while if you know what I mean, which I think you do. Mm -hmm. I think you do. And we'll make Greek children because we're both 100% Greek. Oh, John Stamos, right? Yes. Yes. He's got good hair. Yeah. I mean, genetics. Greek god. <laughs> Thank you for saying that about me. No, it's okay. <laughs> so the peak is realizing that we have nothing to prove to racists, homophobes, xenophobes, misogynists, you name it, whatever. I have a Toni Morrison quote. Hey. Uh, that made oh, me feel good. Oh, yeah. I heard she went in, honey. She comes through. <laughs> the function The very serious function of racism is distraction. It keeps you from doing your work. It keeps you explaining over and over again your reason for being. Somebody says you have no language, so you spend 20 years proving that you do. Somebody says your head isn't shaped properly, so you have scientists working on the fact that it is. Someone says you have no art, so you dredge that up. Somebody says you have no kingdom, so you dredge that up. None of that is necessary. There will always be one more thing. Mm. So she's like, 
them. Mm-hmm. Do you, boo? Do you, boo? And I will. <laughs> Do you, boo? That's an excerpt from a statement that she made. Right? Mm-hmm. I haven't read the full statement yet, but I heard that it was flowery. And it was, it was a flowery <laughs> you, I heard. And I was like, let me go ahead. That is her calling card. Very, <laughs> I want that on a calling card. Very Tony. Tony, Tony, Tony. Tony, Tony, Tony has done it again. Yeah, it feels good. Yeah, it feels good. It feels good. Okay, so for this week's outro song, I was inspired... By an email sent to me by one Carly Severn last oh, week. Oh, cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. The subject line in this email was titled, One Thing. <gasps> Amory? Amory! <laughs> and then it occurred to me that there is perhaps a generation of like young millennials who have no idea who <gasps> Amory from the early aughts is. This is a R&B jam that is peppy and poppy and end this on a high note. Oh, let's. Let's. Amory's One Thing. Thanks to our podcast papa, David Marcus. Thanks to Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs for our amazing theme song that you hear at the beginning of the show. And thanks to Jay Simpson for helping me edit. Until next week, find us on social media. I am Excuse My Beauty without the first D on Twitter. I am at Teacup in the Bay. I am at Jimmy Says. Follow us. Favorite our stuff. Retweet. Bye. Bye. Bye.